And thanks for joining us on this uh, Friday morning at 7.06. It is the Friday leading into a long weekend. Also, the Friday morning after the leaders debate. Yes, uh, Danielle Smith, Rachel Notley um, went head to head last night in the only leaders debate in this provincial election. Of course, you're going to cast your votes on, on May 29th, just around the corner. Um, you know, both of these leaders have mm -hmm. been premier. They both went on attack about each other's re uh, record. One of the things, though, we heard a lot of was trust. UCP leader uh, Danielle Smith um, asked why Albertans should trust her. She criticized Rachel Notley then, switched gears and focused on the economy. Alberta is back on track. We have more people coming in here than ever before. Our Alberta is calling campaign is working. We've got more <clears throat> diversification and in business investment. We've got to keep that going. Notley was asked why Albertans should trust her. She says the party has a solid fiscal plan that would ensure a surplus over the next three years and says she has strong ethics. I've been in office since 2008. I have never actually breached the conflict of interest legislation. Ms. Smith cannot say the same. Well, I guess I guess you're you did have an MLA who hacked our health care system. I can I can tell you. Do you that really in, in, want in to talk about I can, our candidates I can tell you. and our MLAs? Well, like, like, seriously, I do I, not I think you're going to win that one. Yeah, I mean, that I is have not to tell one you. you want to do. But was that one that Rachel Notley should have done more of and pushed harder? Because she missed an opportunity there. There have been, there have been issues. Uh, well, we want to check in though with uh, John Brennan. He's our political analyst. He's been going to be joining us or has been joining us each Friday as we lead up to the election. Just with some uh, some perspective on the, uh, the wild campaign. Uh, John's joining us once again this morning. Hey, John, how are you? Hi, Daryl. It's great to be with you. Uh, so what did you think? Uh, what, were your, what were your first takeaways? When, when the debate all wrapped up and then you went, hmm, what did you think? I, I thought it was a draw. You know, I thought both candidates made some good points, um, but I didn't think that there was a knockout punch thrown. I don't think there was a defining moment like there was in the 2015 mm -hmm. debate when Jim Prentice made the ill-fated comment to Rachel Notley, the math is hard. I thought uh, Daniel Smith came out strong, came out of the box strong, and, uh, and put Notley on the defensive early on in the debate, especially when she tried over and over again to try to link Notley and the carbon tax to Justin Trudeau and Jugmeet Singh. I think, you know, that's an attack line that the UCP have used on Notley for some time, and I think they think that's effective. I think Notley got better as the debate went on, and I thought she was particularly strong when she went at uh, Smith on the issues of trust, mm. on who can you trust to be the premier. Um, and, you know, in, I thought she got off a good line when she talked about uh, Smith in the uh, Legislative Assembly in 2014, saying that she would never cross the floor, mm -hmm. and then three weeks later cross the floor. Mm -hmm. And then Notley said, well, how can we trust you? Interesting. John Brennan joining us uh, this morning, uh, taking a look back at last night's debate. Uh, there was some talk, John, going into this, given how close the polls are suggesting that this race is, that this could be a debate that moved the needle for some. I think Daryl and I, off the, off the top this morning, said, I'm not sure that it moved the needle for anyone. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you, Jalen. I don't think it moved the needle. I think people watching the debate, if they were inclined already to vote for the NDP, would have been very happy with Rachel Notley's performance. And conversely, I think UCP uh, supporters watching the debate would have been pleased with Smith's performance. I don't think there was a defining moment in the debate, and I don't think anything was said during the course of the debate that was going to switch votes 
or get people who are perhaps undecided to come onto their side. Which stuns me in some ways because, as you said, uh, Danielle Smith went after Rachel Notley with some pretty familiar attacks. Rachel Notley went after Danielle Smith with some pretty familiar attacks. This was sort of like the the playoff series where both teams know each other so well, (laughs) you would think that they could anticipate the attack line and be able to come up with something new in order to defend against it. And we didn't see that. I didn't hear any different kind of of, of response. No, you're right, Daryl. They really played to their strengths. You know, as I said, uh, Rachel Notley really focused on the issues of trust and competence. You can't trust Daniel Smith as a leader because she's untrustworthy. And, of course, raised the issue of the uh, um, conflict of interest commissioner's report that came out yesterday. Whereas Daniel Smith went hard on Notley on her record, you know, she she had a good tackling last night when she said, you know, I'm running on my record, you're running away from your record. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she attacked Notley and the NDP's record from when they were in power from 2015 to 2019 and really focused it on the economy, on the fact that the economy was in recession during the NDP years, which, of course, a lot of that had to do with the fact that the price of oil dropped significantly in 2015, just as Nolly was coming into office. But nonetheless, she really focused hard on the economy, was very critical of Rachel Notley and the NDP while they were in office. And, um, you know, and, and I think that is the strength for the UCP, to focus on jobs and the economy, much like uh, Jason Kenney did in 2019. Uh, why? I would have thought the, the ethics commissioner's report from yesterday uh, would have been a bigger factor in in the debate last night, another possible missed opportunity. Well, it wasn't for lack of trying. Mm. You know, I think Rachel Notley raised it at least two or three times. And, you know, the thing about Smith, she's good on her feet. You know, she just kept deflecting it and, and saying, well, the conflict of interest commissioner also showed that uh, I didn't contact Crown prosecutors mm-hmm. directly, which was something that had been alleged in uh, the original CBC story and by the NDP after the story came out. But of course, you know, the Conflict of Interest Commissioner's report was absolutely damning because it did say that Premier uh, Smith uh, contravened Section 3 of the Conflict of Interest Act in her interactions with Tyler Shandro. And, you know, this is really appalling because she was trying to intervene in the administration of justice with a guy who was up on criminal charges before his trial. So, you know, it was a very serious matter and it was a very serious charge. And Rachel Notley, you know, tried her best to make it an issue. She raised it at least two or three times. But as I said, you know, Smith is a very good debater. She's a very strong communicator, and she was able to deflect those. And it was interesting. I mean, you know, even when you saw yeah, Danielle Smith's response to the report that came out yesterday, um, pretty much you know, just took swings at the CBC um, mm-hmm. and 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 almost made it sound like it was a victory for her and not as damning as what you would have said that it is. Yeah, and it, it is absolutely damning because the conflict, the ethics commissioner did find that she contravened the act, and that's a very serious matter. And as Rachel Notley said uh, in the clip you played uh, just before I came on, you know, um, she has been an MLA since 2008, has never been found in contravention of the Conflict of Interest Act. And so it's a very serious matter that after six, seven months in office that this happened to Smith. And, you know, when you go back to this whole issue of the Arthur Pulowski phone call and all the controversy that that generated, 
you know, it really showed that Danielle Smith was really ill-prepared for the job when she came into office, not really knowing the job and knowing the parameters of her powers. And the fact that she was trying to lean on the Minister of Justice to try to intervene in a prosecution of somebody who was up on criminal charges and about to go to court just goes to show you that she was just totally unaware of what her powers were when she came into office. Ten days to go until the uh, the big vote. So I'll tell you what, why don't we take a quick break, John, then when we come back, we'll come back and uh, and look ahead to the final week and a half of the campaign, although with a long weekend around, really, it's a week. Uh, so stick around, uh, would you, John, and we'll come back with the inner flash. John Brennan joining us, our political political commentator, looking back at uh, the leaders' debate uh, from last night. Also want to look ahead to what we can expect in the next 10 days. Uh, John, um, just, you know, looking... Uh, not looking back, when we talk about candidates and some of the challenges that the um, the candidates, some of the candidates have been having, the, one of the, the most recent one, a UCP candidate, um, Jennifer Johnson uh, for Lacombe Pinoca, um, you know, criticizing trans kids, saying some pretty vile, pretty vile things. She apologized, and uh, Smith said if she wins in the election, she wouldn't be allowed to sit as a member of, uh, of the UCP in the legislature, I think she said in caucus. In caucus, yeah. Your thoughts on how that was handled? I think Daniel Smith actually handled this well, certainly much better than she did with the Lake of Fire comments in 2012. Because when you have a candidate make really outrageous comments, things that are really going to offend a lot of people, it makes no sense to stand by that candidate and defend the candidate. You're better off just to cut the candidate loose and say, the things that that candidate said do not represent the party, do not represent our values, and if that person wins, they're not going to sit in our caucus. Uh, is this is this an entirely different election in Calgary? And I'm asking you that just because that's considered to be the battleground. If you consider that Edmonton is going to go NDP, that rural Albertas are going to go U, uh, UCP, uh, does it almost matter how much uh, gnashing of teeth or conversations we have elsewhere? Does this get decided in Calgary? And is the election different there than we're seeing it elsewhere in the province? Well, I think the, the election is different there, Daryl. But as much as the election is going to be decided in Calgary, it's also going to be decided in a few other places, too. You know, the polling this week has shown, including uh, the, the poll that Ipsos did for Global, that this remains a very tight race. As you say, it looks like the NDP is poised to sweep Edmonton. Um, the UCP continues to hold a sizable lead in the 41 seats outside of Edmonton and Calgary. I think they're going to continue to do well there. And Calgary is neck and neck with both parties, you know, about having about the same equal support in Calgary. Um, besides about a dozen ridings in Calgary, I would say the other ridings to watch in the week to come are the suburbs around Edmonton. There's six or seven seats around Edmonton that are going to be very tight and very close. In my view, the NDP has to win a majority of those to have a, a chance to win. And there's also a handful of other ridings in the province where the NDP could do well. Ridings like Banff, Kananaskis, Lethbridge East, and even um, Lesser Slave Lake. So in a lot of ways, the campaign is going to be focused on Calgary because there's about a dozen seats there that are in play that are very close. But if the NDP is going to have any chance to win, not only do they have to do well in Calgary, they also have to win the suburbs of Edmonton and a handful of other seats outside of Edmonton and Calgary. So you're talking about Calgary and really what's uh, going to play out there. Interesting that Calgary wasn't brought up, that new arena wasn't brought up um, in the debate last night. 
that was interesting. You know, there was some polling that came out last week on the arena deal, and it showed that in Calgary, it's actually quite popular, but it's very unpopular in Edmonton because of the provincial government's support for the arena deal, and it's also unpopular outside of Edmonton and Calgary. But by and large, in Calgary, it is popular, and I'm surprised that uh, Smith didn't raise it just to try to cement uh, support in Calgary. Perhaps she thought because it's seen as a negative Mm -hmm. in other parts of the province, and of course the debate went province-wide, she'd just keep quiet about it. Ah, that's an interesting point. All right. Uh, your mic's down. your mic's not on yet. There we go. There, it's much better. Oh, maybe I didn't have anything left to say. I think we covered most of it all, John. I don't think there's anywhere else to go. We're still getting in on the text line. Some people are going, "Are you kidding? That 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 was easy. Uh, a UCP win or an NDP win? It, it's gonna. Is there anything that happens in the last week of a campaign that can mm. finally change gears for someone and switch well, gears and put somebody over the top? Only if somebody makes a dramatic mistake or if there's a real pratfall. In the last week to 10 days of a campaign, it's all about getting out the vote. Mm-hmm. You know, the advance polls open on Tuesday, so advance voting will start next week. And you're going to see both campaigns just focusing on their supporters, making sure that they get out to the polls all over the province. So it's all about rallying the base, making sure that your voters get out to vote either in the advance polls or on May 29th. John Brennan joining us this morning. Always appreciate your time and insight, John. We'll do it again next weekend, or next weekend, next Friday. Next Friday. <laughs> Sounds great, Jalen. It's always a pleasure talking to you both. All take right, take care. care. Now. Oh, Bye-bye. my goodness. John Brennan, our political analyst, uh, joining us this morning. And then, well, I guess one more time. One more yes. time next Friday, although maybe we'll follow up with them after we the are, actual we, election as well. We so have we'll them booked for the day after yeah. the election. So we'll follow up and see what happens. Man, that's going to be an interesting... I don't. I, I can't can't call it at this point. I don't think most people can, because it is so tight. It is really tight, and again, depending on where you are on the political spectrum, you're thinking that it's going to be one way, or and you're thinking, oh no, it might be a blowout or whatnot. Just take a look at the text line right now. Oh no, the UCP gonna you know wipe the NDP, well, the I've, NDP, whatever. Okay? I've seen that a few times. It'll be a landslide. No, you it's know not it's gonna not going to be a landslide either way, one way or the other. It's going to be tight. Uh, you know, how tight would it be? It's not going to be a minority mm. because there's no other parties going to have yeah. a hope of getting a getting a seat. So somebody's going to get a majority. It just might be a really thin one. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating watch on the 29th. And again, we'll continue to keep you up to date on all the election news right here on 630 Chad.